is the Cloud Now Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud Not Podcast. My name is Andreas. I'm on a mission to explore Amazon Web Services together with Michael, who cannot join me for this episode, unfortunately, because she is still on parental leave. This is episode number 46, and I'm recording this on May the 5th, 2022. Before we start, I do have a question for you. Are you looking for a new job, or have you thought about changing your job? Let me introduce open positions from our sponsors. TechRacer, a premier AWS consulting partner, is looking for a cloud consultant, joining them at one of their sites in Duisburg, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Hanover, Munich, Vienna, Lisbon and Lucerne. It is important to mention that TechRacer is all in on AWS, which means you will work on AWS-related projects every day. Also, TechRacer covers a wide spectrum from projects focusing on cloud infrastructure like VPC and EC2 to modern architectures based on containers or even building serverless applications. TechRacer also covers topics like infrastructure as code, analytics, machine learning and continuous delivery. Also, TechRacer is looking for a cloud migration specialist. So did you plan and execute a migration of an on-premises workload to AWS already? TechRacer is looking for specialists accelerating the cloud journeys of their SMB and enterprise clients in Germany and Europe. You will find a link to the open positions in the show notes. Check them out and apply. The topic for this episode is Aurora Serverless version 2. So, I was really excited when AWS announced Aurora Serverless at reInvent in 2017, which is almost five years ago. But I shortly became disappointed about the whole service. Uh, because even after Aurora Serverless became general available in August 2018, it was missing important features like multi-ASAT deployments, and read replications. So I always waited for a breakthrough of that service, but unfortunately, that never happened. AWS was never shipping uh, or was not shipping a lot of new features for Aurora Serverless. Therefore, I use Aurora Serverless only in very rare cases. Um, we talk about that later a little bit. Um, but the good news is that AWS is making a fresh start with Aurora Serverless version 2, which is basically a whole new service. And that's the reason why I decided to take a closer look at this new service and review it and really take a look at all the details of the service. So before we start, I want to um, talk about why I think that Aurora Serverless is a big deal. So scaling a relational database um, was hard. With Aurora, so that's basically um, the AWS database engine, AWS provides a scalable and highly available storage layer for relational databases. So the benefit 
for us as a customer is that we do not have to provision storage up front. The storage layer grows on demand. And the other important advantage is that the storage layer replicates among availability zones automatically. So the database layer itself does not have to cover that. Um, so there's no need to communicate between um, the primary database and the failover instance or between um, the primary database and the read replicas, for example. So that's really cool about the Aurora technology. But there was still a part of your database that uh, you had to scale, and this is the compute capacity. Uh, and basically, the uh, one option to scale your database um, CPU and memory capacity was to increase the size of the database instance. So... Um, with Aurora, you have different database instance types available that you could choose from. Um, let's say dbt4 um, small or medium. And you can choose one of those instance types and this will affect the available CPU and memory for the database instance. So when more requests, write or read requests are coming in, you can just switch to another database instance um, with a larger instance type which provides more compute capacity. But the problem with that is um, this will result in a short downtime. So when you replace an instance, um, you will need to switch um, to the new instance. So the DNS endpoint basically switches to another IP address and it takes a little bit to do so. So um, usually... <laughs> what was the result of that is that we had to provision our database instances for the peak loads. So that's basically, uh, and because of that, basically, a lot of CPU capacity uh, was wasted because many times during the day uh, it was not used. With Aurora Serverless, um, you're able to vertically scale the database machine automatically on the fly without interrupting your workload and that's a game changer because you no longer need to provision the database machines based on load peaks instead the database compute capacity scales automatically in the background and that's uh, really cool this was uh, true for the version one and is still true for version two so aurora serverless is a big deal in my opinion because it not only scales the storage layer automatically, it also scales the compute um, capacity that is needed for your database. One thing that I missed talking about now when it comes to scaling a database cluster is uh, it is, of course, also possible to add read replicas to a database cluster. And the idea here is um, basically to scale the database, you're adding additional machines that only serve read requests. That's why they are called read replicas. And um, so you can offload parts of the workload to those instances and get uh, move basically work away from the primary database instance where, where the clients still need to write. Okay, so that is Aurora Serverless. But um, this podcast episode 
is about um, Aurora Serverless version 2. And so the first important thing is what, what is really the difference between version 1 and version 2. And the most important thing is that Aurora Serverless version 2 supports multi-ASAT deployments, which was not possible with Aurora Serverless version 1. And it also supports read replication. <clears throat> so multi-ASAT deployments are I think really an important feature of a database that you want to use for production workloads because you want to make sure that when the primary node fails and the machine or the whole availability zone fails, the database cluster can move to uh, another database instance automatically with very short downtime. And this requires um, spinning up another machine in another, multi, uh, in another availability zone And um, this was not possible with Aurora Serverless version 1, unfortunately, but it is now uh, a standard feature of Aurora Serverless version 2, which is great. Um, the other thing is um, read replication. So Aurora Serverless version 1 did not support adding read replicas. Uh, version 2 comes with that feature out of the box. So it is... Uh, possible to spin up uh, read replicas um, add, and add them to the cluster as well. And maybe there is one interesting aspect about Aurora Serverless version 2, which is with an Aurora cluster, you can basically mix um, database nodes of type uh, provisioned nodes, basically, um, for example, a DBT4G medium or something, And you can mix that with serverless instances that scale the compute capacity automatically. So you can have a mixture of that. So what can you do with that? So for example, you could have a provisioned instance acting as the primary node, as, for, as the writer, and have serverless instances for the read replicas, or vice versa, or whatever you um, want to do. So that's really cool. You can mix them as you want to. After I have introduced the differences, the main difference between Aurora Serverless version 1 and version 2, the question is, how do you migrate from Aurora Serverless version 1 to version 2? So despite the fact that Aurora Serverless version 1 did not support multi-ASAT deployments, um, I used it in some scenarios where I just could not resist um, the advantages of being able to scale the database down to zero. Um, unfortunately, there is no way to migrate from version 1 to version 2 out of the box without downtime. Um, that's a bummer. <laughs> um, because I think many AWS customers um, that are using version 1 are now um, probably going to switch to version 2 and there is no built-in migration path to do so. Uh, on the other hand, AWS provides a way to uh, migrate from provisioned instances to serverless instances without downtime with the click of a button. Um, but yeah, it's not possible from version 1 to version 2, which is a bummer. And I think uh, a company like AWS that always brags about its customer obsession um, should take that into consideration. I know, I know there's not, probably not a lot um, many money to be made with that feature, But now every version one customer has to go through the migration on their own, and that is unfortunate. So, 
How do you do it? So basically, you need to create a snapshot of version two, create a new cluster based on the snapshot, and then uh, switch your workload to the new cluster. And of course, this causes a downtime because you need to stop write requests during that time, most likely. Okay, so... Um, The other thing um, that I noticed when having a look into Aurora Serverless version 1 is um, that despite the fact that Aurora is called serverless, <laughs> it doesn't come with uh, a data API. So why is that important? So when you're building a serverless application with Lambda um, and you want to use a relational database for example, because uh, the developers are uh, really into relational database and don't want to adapt DynamoDB or that kind of a database, um, you need to make sure that the Lambda function is able to connect to a relational database. And you have basically two problems. One is um, that Lambda scales the execution environments um, automatically, And um, you also have uh, invocations of the, those execution environments. And what you need to make sure is, and which is a little bit tricky, is you need to maintain a pool of database connections within your execution environments um, to make sure not every incoming request for your Lambda function is uh, opening a new database connection because that uh, adds a lot of latency and load on the database server. And also the second problem is when really Lambda fans out and really executes a lot of requests in parallel, this will result in a lot of database connections as well. And typically databases have um, low limits on the maximum number of database connections. And so you have to deal with that and basically need to reuse and share database connections. Um, and that's not not too simple <laughs> to solve so that's really uh, an issue uh, a lot of developers deal with when going serverless so aurora serverless version one had a feature that is called a data api which is basically an https endpoint that you can use to insert update delete or query data and this was in my opinion, uh, a natural fit for serverless applications and I enjoyed using it for some projects. So because making an HTTPS request, that's basically what Lambda is uh, made for and so you don't have had to uh, go through a challenge with database connections at all. So unfortunately, Aurora Serverless does not provide a data API and I could not find any information and could not uh, find anyone who knows whether releasing a data API feature is planned in the future. It's not available right now. One possible workaround is uh, using an RDS proxy. Um, the proxy basically um, makes sure that you can reuse database connections between different executions, environments, and functions. Um, however, it adds additional costs And um, you still have to manage the pool of database connections for each execution environment. So it solves parts of the problem, but not all of it. Uh, so I'd really like to see a data API for Aurora Serverless version 2 as well. Let's see um, what the future uh, brings. 
The next thing I stumbled upon <laughs> when looking into Aurora Serverless version 2 for, um, um, for this review, um, I found out about the difference between version 1 and version 2, which is uh, Aurora Serverless version 1 was uh, possible to scale the compute layer down to zero. Basically, it paused the database. And this was a really cool feature for applications um, that are only used very seldomly uh, because you basically could turn down the database um, besides the storage, of course. Uh, and this was a, has a, had a huge effect on cost, of course. So, for example, uh, Michael is running a small application for accounting, which he logs into uh, every few days for a few minutes only. And we are using Aurora Serverless version 1 uh, for that application, and the database basically pauses um, automatically. And how that feels then when you log into the application for the first time, that means that it takes a while, let's say about 60 seconds, until the database resumes and is able to answer the requests. So this was a really cool solution for an application with a really tiny workload that is only used um, very seldomly. Unfortunately, Aurora Serverless version 2 does not support pausing the compute layer. So you cannot scale down to zero anymore. Basically, um, you can scale down to what um, Aurora Serverless calls uh, half of an ACU. Um, but this results in about $43 per month baseline costs for the compute capacity. So it's not really the same deal that we had before. In general, I think Aurora Serverless version 2 is too expensive. So the first thing uh, that comes to mind is version 2 costs twice as much as version 2 for the compute layer. So I'm asking myself, so why that? So where's that price increase coming from? Because um, I can't really see uh, a big difference uh, in the functionality. Okay, so that's a bummer. And um, the second thing is um, also Aurora Serverless version 2 is not capable to scale down to zero anymore. So that has an effect on costs as well. So um, what I did is I made a comparison of Aurora Compute uh, pricing. And uh, basically, I created a chart, and I will link to that in the show notes, so we'll find a blog post which includes the chart in the show notes. And this chart basically shows the costs for running an Aurora Serve cluster with on-demand on provisioned instances or with reserved provisioned instances, and of course with Aurora Serverless version 1 and version 2. And um, by looking at a chart, it becomes quite obvious that uh, when using Aurora Serverless version 2 makes uh, sense for workloads that are idling for more than 77% of the time uh, when you compare it to on-demand instances. And it gets even worse when you compare it to reserved instances, for example, with a three-year term and all upfront payment, because then uh, using <laughs> Aurora Serverless version 2 only pays off if the whole system idles for more than 96% of the time. So I really don't 
understand the pricing model of Aurora Serverless version 2, it seems to me that there are very few scenarios where it makes sense to use Aurora Serverless version 2 from a cost perspective. And um, so I'm afraid that Aurora Serverless version 2 will fail not because of technical obstacles that we had with version 1, but because of the pricing model. And um, yeah, this is unfortunate. Last but not least, um, I want to talk about the service maturity of Aurora Serverless version 2. So this is something um, we have been doing whenever we review a new AWS service. Um, we basically came up with different criterias um, that we um, use to ev evaluate the service maturity of a service. So the criteria are things like um, IAM granularity, integrations with AWS config and CloudTrail, the availability in all commercial regions, an SLA, and so on. And um, the maturity score uh, I've calculated for our serverless version 2 is 8.5 on a scale from 0 to 10. So that means, basically, in my opinion, Aurora Serverless version 2 is really ready for production workloads. Um, the only thing, uh, things that I stumbled upon is that, unfortunately, um, Aurora Serverless version 2 is not supported from CloudFormation yet. And uh, also there are there is a little issue with allocating costs by tags. Um, but other than that, I think... Um, there is um, not, not too much to think about when planning to use Aurora Serverless version 2 um, in production. Let me summarize my review of Aurora Serverless version 2. So first of all, I'm really happy that we have a production-ready uh, database engine available on AWS where the storage and the compute layer scales automatically. So that's really a big improvement compared to Aurora Serverless version 1. I'm really happy about that. The big bummer is the pricing model of Aurora Serverless version 2. I think it's really too expensive, which means it doesn't really make sense to use it in many scenarios because you're better off <laughs> with um, provisioned instances on demand or reserved. So let's hope that there will be a price reduction for Aurora Serverless version 2 very soon, um, because other than that, I really think uh, it's a great service that I would like to use more often. Did you learn something new by listening to this podcast episode? If so, may I ask you for a favor? First, please tell your friends and co-workers about the Cloud or Not podcast. Second, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Third, our work on Cloud or Not is possible only because of your support. Therefore, we want to thank Alan Leach, Alex Debris, Jeff Finley, Jay Hortley, Jura Matinka, Ken Snyder, Thorsten Höger, Todd Valentine, and all anonymous supporters. With your help, we can continue to produce independent and high-quality content focused on AWS. If you are not already doing so, please consider supporting us with a one-time or recurring donation as well. You will find all the details in the show notes. 
And last but not least, we are looking forward to your feedback. You will find our contact details in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.